Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today, the weekend edition here on the show. Craig Mitch, Joe Pizzapia, once again with you. Hopefully you're enjoying your weekend like we are as well. A lot of work around the house to do, some work inside the house to do. I know always a lot of fun. Joe, good to be with you this weekend. What's happening for you? Well, speaking of work around the house, I think I'm going to uh, have my kids help me paint a fence on Sunday. So I feel like, you know, it's manual labor, maybe a little Mark Twain thing, maybe a little Mr. Miyagi. I might teach them Kung Fu right. afterwards. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you help maintain the the outdoor area and teach them a skill at the same time of karate. I think that's exactly what I'm going for on Sunday. How about you, Craig? What's happening with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, not not really a lot. I, I think that, you know, Saturday in general with the sports grid schedule has been sort of my my chill day. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, you know, kind of doing that tomorrow. Ooh, are you off. saying it's, sports grid and chill? Is that a thing? It could be. I'm going to binge watch all of our shows over the last uh, three weeks. I'm going to go back and watch all of them again. Very nice. Very nice. So uh, I, I expect my report card to come in on Monday and I'm uh, – I'll be hiding. I'll be hiding. That's for sure. I don't know if I can, you know, that's a problem now with kids, you know, back in the day, in our day, you could actually have a report card and, you know, the parents might not have seen it. You could delay the inevitable. No, not now. No, No, it's the internet. Nope. You did what you did and they pay for it immediately one way or another. So fascinating times we live in. We do. All right. Well, yesterday, uh, look, we we had some interesting stories this week. We're still following baseball. We know what the draft is going to be. That was really made official yesterday as well. And uh, first round of the draft's going to be at night, and they'll do a round, and they'll do the rest of the draft the next day. It'll look a lot like the NFL draft, but I don't think that has a huge relevance as far as fantasy goes. And I know that that could end up being the first baseball event here after spring training was shut down a couple of months ago. But really, the story I think of the weekend, no question, is what Jim Trotter reported yesterday, which is basically the NFL is potentially instituting a rule that is going to reward teams for hiring African-American coaches and executives. Now, look, it has been by far one of the most disturbing things to see really good coaches who are African-American passed up through the years. There is no question about it. And I get the premise of it. But wow, what kind of sentiment this is going to send to the league to basically push for more diversity Look, it makes a lot of sense. You have essentially 80 to 90% of your players that are in the NFL are African-American. But I certainly also hope that there are qualified guys getting these gigs too. Now, that being said, look, there's no reason, Joe, that Eric Bieniemy got passed up last year. None whatsoever. He should be a head coach for sure. Uh, Brian Flores finally got his gig with the Miami Dolphins last year. But... I mean, I, I've never heard of this before. You, you're basically getting rewarded based on hiring race. And I know certainly there's a lot of that that goes on in this country that has to be implemented to make sure that everybody is treated fairly. Uh, but this is this is something very unprecedented to me. It does. It is. And I would say that, um, you know, I, I think it's naive of us to think, oh, why can't we get to a place right now where everyone's just hired on their merits, right? And that's ideally where we'd like to be, but we don't live in ideal. We live in the real world, unfortunately. And um, kind of like you said, not every candidate is unfortunately getting the same opportunities as some others. But at the same time, if you flip the script, too, for the African-American candidate or the minority candidate, if you do get hired and you know there's an incentivization of higher draft picks potentially attached to your hiring I mean, I understand that's kind of a win for you. You're getting a job and some uh, better draft stock. But at the same time, are you saying, okay, did they hire me or did they hire me to get to X, Y, Z? And I don't know if that's the sell either. Uh, Obviously, we're at an all-time low here in the last, I think it was 17 years for minority head coaches and coaches in the league. And I'm sure like every other coaching situation in every other major sport, there's cyclical things here at play, no doubt about that. But when you also look at what goes on in the league, too, and who gets second chances and who doesn't get second chances in life and things of that nature in their career in the NFL, it definitely gives you pause. And I am all for whatever they can do to level the playing field. And I do want to get to a place someday where it is about merit, where it is about everybody who applies for the same job, whoever gets that job. It doesn't have to do with the color of their skin, but the content of their character and the quality of their coaching, which is a lot of alliteration. I realize that, but I somehow just pulled that off. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, I don't know, Craig. I mean, if you were a minority coaching candidate, would you be suspect that you were being hired for that or hired just for, you know, the fact that you're good enough to be the coach? Well, I think that's a fair point. I also think that a lot of these coaches already know sometimes when they're being interviewed, they were being interviewed in the past to basically right, just satisfy for the Rooney, rule. The Rooney right. rule. Yeah, and I think that that was horrible. And they knew that. They went through that process with the hope that they would get hired somewhere else. And it seems to me that this, the one to circle is the enemy on Kansas City. Obviously, this I think this has to be a result of him not getting hired because this guy is running arguably the top off. I mean, it's Andy Reid, but... This guy is co-authoring one of the top offenses in the NFL and is getting passed up potentially for people who aren't as qualified. I mean, it seems to me the easier thing to do in this spot would, would be to penalize front offices that don't have enough diversity within their organization and force them to hire. The draft pick part of this is not just incentivizing, but I think it's going a little bit above and beyond what is what is called for here. If you want to take a look at a team, team X or Y or Z in the NFL, and look at their their construction of their front office and their general manager, and you see a bunch of all white dudes and that's it, yeah. I mean, I think that you could drop a hammer on that team and say, hey, starting now, you have to be more diverse and develop those players that can inevitably become head coaches in the NFL. But all this is telling me is that the NFL just doesn't have their bleep in order here. And and the only way to fix it is to have them bump up picks. I, I don't know. It, it Does it also so tell fly. you that college doesn't have their house in order either? I mean, I know there are some African-American head coaches at the college level, but compared to white coaches, I would say probably not nearly as many. And look, it's got to start somewhere. And it's very difficult to force the college football to, to do something like this, obviously. But I mean, it's it's difficult because if you don't have enough opportunities at other entry levels, then it's very difficult to grow worthy head coaching candidates of any color. And I think that's the problem. Like, it's got to start somewhere. But yeah, I mean, the guys were getting passed over. It's obvious. There were some other guys who've been passed over in the last five years. Some of them did eventually get head coaching jobs like Todd Bowles, I think, was passed over originally and then eventually did get the Jets job and then unfortunately did not keep the Jets job. But I mean, it's definitely a problem in the league. And I don't know if there's a good solution, but this is an interesting option at the very least. But yeah. I just wonder how everyone's going to feel about it when it's actually implemented, if it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chris Richard for Dallas was also passed up, I know, a couple different times. Um, the defensive special teams coach with the Cowboys as well. So. Uh, look, we're just kind of on the precipice of this story, but it'll be one that we'll be following this weekend and moving into next week. Speaking of which, a couple of NFL players, Joe. Uh, I mean, what a, what a bizarre story to hear this, that Baker and, and Dunbar, two players and pretty good players in the NFL, had arrest warrants issued for them uh, due to uh, armed robbery. Like, look, I mean, you see all kinds of strange things happen, and I don't put it past anybody as an individual or even a player to do anything in the league. But man, during quarantine, feels like something out of Friday. Like you got arrested during quarantine. <laughs> like of all the things to do, this may be the time to stay home and sit it out. It probably would be, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they were just bored. But it's funny because everyone's wearing a mask now. So I guess robbery would be an easier thing when you think about it. Everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's got bandanas on. I know I go to the drugstore and I feel like I'm going to rob a train possibly in the next five minutes. But my favorite meme about this, though, is the, uh, the Madden clip of the defensive set robber with their names on it, which is really cool. So that was clever. So, you know, every time something wacky happens, the Internet – and gifts and memes are there for us to somehow laugh at it. But yeah, what what are you doing, guys? Like, where where is this? I mean, it's just it's so bizarre that these things go on. I, I don't understand. You know, you work so hard to get to the NFL. People don't understand how hard it is to get there. How much work? How much effort? How, and you get there and you get settled and you're making money playing football. Why would you even get involved in anything like this? I don't know, but I, I guess it just it's always a thing. It always is. Yeah. No. And and look, I. You never know what's going through people's minds. You no. never know what they really need on the side, too. And I think that that's part of it as well. Don't get arrested on me this weekend, okay, Mish? I expect to see you here. It's highly Monday. doubtful. I can't right. I can't guarantee it, but it's definitely uh, highly doubtful. Okay. Very very low percentage on that. Bet the under on that. No, <laughs> I'm glad. I, I, I don't I think would, you would do well in prison. I would I say. Um, you know, also yesterday, some interesting comments about uh, future Hall of Famer James Harrison in the NFL uh, regarding basically Mike Tomlin saying that he never had a bounty system 
There are some people who said, Joe, that maybe they did have one. Uh, look, I mean, it's a slow time in sports, so anything that anybody says, just ask Blake Snell, is going to make national headlines. But essentially, James Harrison is now the focus because of some comments that he's making as well. Well, look, Blake Snell deserved for the headlines because that's a very topical piece right there because you're talking about the difference of a player who's talking about is it about the fear of your well-being or is it about being compensated? And once you start to use one as leverage for negotiations and the other as a very, very dicey game, and then when other players kind of chime in and start to kind of back sort of kind of what he's saying, it tells you a lot about what's going on there and what things are, what the priorities are. Whereas this Harrison thing with Tomlin, I don't know. I think you're right. I think everyone's just digging. Everyone's just digging for something it interesting. Really you know, I mean, Tomlin's been a head coach of this league for a long time, but this is where we're at. Maybe some of you, 10 years ago, I don't know. I think this guy might have actually stolen somebody's wristband and they had the plays on it. And I know. Oh, I mean, it's, come on, man. Come on. Let's go. Let's keep moving. Oh, look, I, and, and that's that's the hard part of, of just kind of going through the latest news is that some things that wouldn't make headlines are making big ones. And, and look, I want transparent players. I want players talking more than less. I think it is better for us. But from a player standpoint, I think that more than ever this month, May, maybe even June, you got to have a lot of awareness of things that you're going to say. I mean, let, you know, let it all hang out in July and August for sure. When we get back to normal and things are open again, hopefully. Have it's definitely it. magnified. You're not wrong. I mean, when there's nothing else to do, everything that happens is just times a million. I mean, look at the Tiger King, for God's sakes. No one had anything to do. You know what? We haven't talked Tiger King in a while now. And like I know. And that's it all just they... shows this world is wacky, man. We talked Tiger wacky. King for every day for like two weeks. Well, not with talking. me. I was I wasn't here for the Tiger King discussion. I missed that one. But you're right. Okay. Everything is magnified, amplified in this time. And I'll tell you what. Even even more to the point, I think the players' unions should talk to all the players and send an email out at the very least and say, "Hey, you, we're, we're working for you. Don't make our job more difficult. We understand what your priorities are. We get it." But it is not good for leverage and negotiations to go out and say things that are of a volatile nature. Let's just put it that way, because I know we got into it. I know on Diamond Bets, we got into it as well on Sunday. So you're going to want to check that out as well. Matt and I talked about it. Matt and I are on the same page, too. We were all with Blake Snell for the first eight seconds of that video. And then the minute he turned around and said something else and said, unless I'm getting my full paycheck. OK, well, it's really not about that. And I hope everybody who is concerned, everybody who has any sort of pre-existing conditions, anyone who has any family issues or things like that should absolutely be able to sit out the season without a doubt. No one should think any less of them. No one should be treated differently. Whatever that is, sit it out. But do not use this as a ploy. Well, I'll tell you, I am going to use a commercial break as a ploy mm. to stop talking for two minutes. And so that's coming up right now. Believe it or not, let's pay some bills. And then Joe and I will be back with our fantasy sports birthdays and this day in fantasy sports for the week. In game live. The NFL is doing something that they haven't really ever done before. And that is not about Monday night. It's not about Sunday night, but it's about Friday. They're going to have a game on Christmas Day, Jared, taking yeah. Friday, another kind of like swipe at other sports. The NFL is going to eat into that market share, no doubt about it. It's the NFL. It is an intriguing little move that they made. Catch the program every single day on FNTSY Radio and on the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you, and it is our weekend edition of the show, so we're just one hour today, but we do have all of our fantasy sports birthdays for the 16th and also for the 17th, and so rapid fire, we just run through everything that happened on the 16th of May of 17th of May, and so without further ado, Joe, you ready to get it going? I am always ready. I love the birthday segment. I can't get enough of this day and the birthdays. It's it's great You're going to miss it. You'll miss it. I, I'm I'm legitimately happy about it. There's no sarcasm there. You might think it's sarcastic. No, I like this. It's fun, especially right. when you have a day like uh, on Friday where everybody was born. Yeah, we did. We and did. it was amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah. All right, so here we are. This day in fantasy sports for May 16th. Today, of course, of 2020. We start off in 1975. Muhammad Ali beats Ron Lyle to win the heavyweight title. Remember, Joe, 
Uh, Ali was up, he was down, he was in, he was out. I feel like I'm talking like Frank Sinatra. Uh, (laughs) Regardless of that, uh, you know, Ali, you know, came back several times, you know, like he was done, he kept coming back. And then this one, he beats Ron Lyle. And of course, he retired for good in the late 70s. And then unfortunately came back in the 80s, which was really his undoing. Yeah, not not a good look there. But if you ask me, I could not pick out who that guy was that he beat. Ron Lyle was not the name on the tip of my tongue there. Uh, with you, no, I, no, I mean, I, no I mean, where's Chuck Wepner when you, you know, when you're looking for somebody? Uh, but yeah, it's Muhammad Ali. I remember, you know, my grandfather telling Muhammad Ali stories, you know, just about, you know, how great of a fighter he was and the difference between Muhammad Ali and a lot of other guys, you know, the difference between Joe Frazier and Ali and yeah. the different styles of boxing and how interesting it was when you got two guys in the ring who were very unique and different in the style, George Foreman at the time too. And then, you know, as you get into the eighties, you get into the Mike Tyson, who's more of the fighter. He's more of the street fighter. He's the guy looking for that one punch to knock you out. <clears throat> now he's a very good technical fighter, Mike Tyson at one spot of time in the Olympics. But when he got into the professional ranks and he realized how much better he was than everybody else, he basically turned off the technique and went into killer mode because he knew he could get in there in less than a minute and get out and be done. And I mean, that works for me. You're getting a payday. Why not? Go for it, kid. Yep. It happens all the time in boxing. All right. 1985, Michael Jordan named the NBA Rookie of the Year Sunday night. We'll get our final dose of the last dance. Looking forward to that. 1996, Sammy Sosa hits two home runs in one inning. And this is the next. Well, actually, it's not the next big uh, documentary. The next big one is uh, Roy Halladay's 30 for 30. And then in June, the ESPN's really smart. They've moved up all of these. Then in June... It is the home run chase for Sosa and Maguire. And so maybe we'll see uh, Sammy Sosa as part of this, although 1996 is before 1998. So I don't know that that will make the documentary. <laughs> well, they, those two home runs probably might not. Although you never know. Maybe they never will. Know. Maybe there'll be a moment of, oh, look, there's a clip of him hitting the two home runs in one inning. You know what? I'm going to choose to look back wistfully. That's right, wistfully. I'm going to be wistful and look back at 98 and remember how much damn fun it was. I remember a bunch of people who were still casual baseball fans at the time being riveted to the TV. I remember going to a buddy's house in college and there was like 20 people there just so we could watch the Maguire game to see if he was going to hit that home run and have that moment of breaking Roger Maris's record. It was great. It was goosebumps. It was fantastic. In fact, I remember being in school that summer in England. And I remember getting the USA Today out there. There's the only way I could really follow it. And you would say, okay, how many did, where is he at? Where is he at in terms of the number? They were like, I think in the 30s or 40s at that time. They were like in the 60s together too. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like in that time in the summer when oh, I yeah, was there yeah. at school. And it was just crazy. You're like, oh, wow, he's at 45. You know, he's at 48. And to follow that race like that was special. And you know what? I don't want to just throw it away because of the PEDs. You know what? Well, you got to hit the ball. You have to hit the ball. That's it. If it makes your quick twitch muscles better, it makes you go out and be able to sustain from injuries better. It makes you stronger if you put the workout time in. It does not just make you great by just taking a magical potion. And I wish people would just kind of realize that. And you know what? Wistful. Give me 98. I can't I, wait. I, listen, I, I think they do, but nobody hits 73 home runs without taking something, Joe. Yeah. Well, well you know, there's a lot of other factors in those 73 home runs, too. Let's be honest. How watered down the pitching was at that era. I mean, come on, Craig. I mean, how watered down. 73 home runs? Craig, you're talking about (laughs) expansion. You're talking about all these things. You're talking about the great hitters of all time. Who's expanding? I'm saying expansion over the years, the difference of how you've watered down pitching compared to what happened in the, I mean, talking about Babe Ruth, talking about Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and these guys. Why is no one, then why has no one hit 60 since Bonds hit 70? Because no, because now. The whole game has changed again. Now you don't have the PEDs. You can't work out like you did. You can't stay on the field like you did. It's a different game. Okay. Uh, 1998, <laughs> Real Quiet wins the Preakness Stakes. Another horse that won a couple, the uh, Kentucky Derby and the Preakness that did not win the Belmont. That happened in 1998. Uh, and, also, and- we just had a couple rookies back-to-back years in New York hit 50-plus. So just want to throw that out. I know that's 70. Not 73. Not 73, not 73, but how many He's people are the player Barry Bonds is? Just saying. Uh, come on. Okay. Please. Uh, this day in fantasy sports birthdays for May the 16th. You see the picture there of Thurman Thomas. Also a birthday for Hall of Famer Jack Morris, who got in the Hall of Fame over the last couple of years. Was a really good pitcher and basically winner wherever he was. Toronto, Minnesota, just kept winning those World Series after Detroit. Uh, 1964. 
listen, John Sally, I know he's not in the public eye anymore, but this guy made a heck of a post-career sure did. more than a lot of just sort of average NBA players did. He was a piece on the NBA uh, Pistons team, and then the Miami Heat paid him big bucks to be a star, which he was not, went on, and then I believe he played for the Lakers when they won the championship, too, with Shaq right. and Kobe. Uh, Sally has had himself a pretty good life. Not yeah, bad. good media career. Wasn't he on Best Damn Sports Show for a while? If yes, that was, was one yeah, of the main that was, that was the first of the kind of shows that they the have hot right take, now. Uh, The hot take that forum shows. Let's all get there and yell at each other. Um, Who yeah, else was I, on that show? Oh, God. Was it Chris Rose hosting that? I yeah, want to say. That sounds right, yeah. A couple yeah. other guys. I mean, maybe Rob Dibble. <laughs> I don't know why that name wow, sounds. Wow, you're good, man. You got, I think you got all another one. Like, I don't know. I might be, I might be wrong, but... I'm pretty sure at some point some of those combination of those guys. It was, a, it was the, the first of its kind. Now every show is like that now. Pretty much. No, yeah. Less couches, though. They all sounded like the big comfy chairs. Now it's a desk, so true. it looks more formal. Uh, but you're right. It was like John Sally, a very entertaining guy, very charismatic guy. Jack Morris, very you know personal and dear to me because there was something very special about Jack Morris. He was a pitcher, and he cared more about – well, and I mean in the sense of he cared more about winning the game than he did about his stats. The, Jack Morris was a guy that – Oh, I'm up eight nothing in the third inning. I'm just gonna go throw whatever, and I don't care if I get hit around. I'm going to pitch nine this day, and I'm gonna be effective. And therefore, his stats hurt him sometimes because he was a guy that all that mattered was the W, all that mattered was the win. It wasn't about the individual success with Jack Morris. His individual success, in his mind, was about Ws. And I think that is the thing that you look at Jack Morris and you look back and you say, Oh, wow, the stats are kind of up and down. ERA might be high. That's because. He didn't care. He knew it was better to just, oh, I'm going to give into this guy, let him in a home run, and I'm going to strike out the next guy. That's That was his mentality. And great pitcher for Detroit. Great pitcher in his moments, obviously, with uh, Minnesota. And then later on, right, when he had the little bit of uh, the very end there, unfortunately, with Toronto wasn't great. But I want to say he did get a they ring. He won the World Series. He was still there, and he yep. did get the ring. So Absolutely. a little bit of love for Jack Morris. Who's more popular, uh, Jack Morris or Zach Morris? Oh, gosh. At Bayside High School, Zach Morris. Uh, I would say in Detroit, Jack Morris. Jack Morris. Yeah. Thurman Thomas, 1966. There's the photo of him, one of the great players of all oh, time sure. in the NFL. Great running back, Oklahoma State, and of course with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, four different Super Bowl appearances. And then 1970, uh, Joe, a name from the past that I haven't said in 20 years, probably Gabriella Sabatini. Remember yeah. Gabriella Sabatini, the great tennis player? Yeah, I, I, you have such joy in saying it. I mean, this is really good. I like hearing I you. I haven't said her name in like a long time. <laughs> no, I haven't thought about that name in a very long time. But we did talk about Thurman Thomas, actually, I think this week earlier. And Thurman really kind of became was that prototypical back of what you see nowadays with Marshall Falk, the guys who can catch the ball in the backfield. And, uh, you know, he played on a team with stars. Had he won a Super Bowl, maybe people would – talk about him a little quicker. I always feel like you got to push a little bit till you get to Thurman Thomas. And that's a shame because I think Thurman, Thurman Thomas is every bit of the back, uh, at least talent wise as an Emmett Smith or a Marshall Falk in that vein, if not better, it possibly as a talent than Emmett Smith, but didn't have the same longevity of a career in terms of winning. Yeah. It was a very nice long career, but it wasn't like the, I didn't have the rings to show for it. Didn't have the records necessarily to show for it, but he certainly had some fantastic seasons. All right, let's move on to May 17th. Fantasy Sports Today is this day in fantasy sports, and we'll start it off with a really iconic player. Tim Horton opens up the first ever Tim Horton's coffee shop, and I know it's not a big deal here in the States, but in Canada, it is essentially Starbucks. It is essentially Dunkin' Donuts, and by the way, the coffee is good. I do like Tim Horton's coffee, so... Uh, we have a Tim Horton's here where I live, in my town, if you really? in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Tim Horton's taking over. Big fan. Big fan of the Tim Hortons. Yeah, I'm a big fan, too. Um, 1970, Hank Aaron becomes the ninth player to get 3,000 hits in a season. It's that time of the year. It's baseball season. That's what happened with Hammer and Hank in 1970. Uh, 1983, the New York Islanders win again another Stanley Cup over Edmonton. Mike Bossy and company and the Islanders were really good in the early 80s. And then in 1998, Joe, David Wells throws that perfect game that we'll all remember wearing Babe Ruth's uh, hat with uh, New York taking on the Twins. I don't know how he got that hat, Joe. But, uh, <laughs> well, he doesn't either. Hat. He doesn't either because he was still half drunk, basically, when he was throwing that game, as he tells the story. Completely yeah. hungover. He just, I don't even know if he had a hat. That might have been what happened. Some like, oh, say it's or, real. Some say it's uh, fake. Who cares? Who knows? It makes for a know. great story. It's like when Doc Ellis threw on LSD. No one really knows if it's true or not. So. Uh, well, you know what? It's a good story. I'm sticking with if it. It's I a good know. story. Let's David go David Wells, it. is it hard to believe? No. Uh, not really. Uh, no, but... Uh, 
Uh, this day, <laughs> fantasy sports birthdays for May 17th. You see the photo there of Tony Parker, who was born in 1982. Tony Parker, by the way, is going to be in the uh, a Hall of Fame here coming up next year. Uh, or the year after, I think two years from now. 1956, we got Sugar Ray Leonard. 1966, Danny Manning. Happy birthday today, uh, Sunday. 1978, Carlos Pena. And I mentioned Tony Parker there. And 1985, Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons, who, believe it or not, is at that stage of being a grizzled veteran among quarterbacks in the NFL. And when Brady is done and Rivers is done and Breeze is done and Rodgers is done, and that's coming soon. Matt Ryan may end up being the last man standing here. He's no spring chicken anymore. There's going to be a big potential quarterback turnover in the next couple of years because you just rattled them off there. There's a couple other ones. To be be there. Well, I mean, it's got to happen at some point. I mean, like God, bless, be gone. Two years. God bless Brady and Breeze, but I think in the next two to three years, Absolutely. you're going to have a big changing of the guard. It's going to be the Mahomes is going to be the Watsons and the Lamar Jacksons and those guys in the league. And who knows, maybe the Burroughs as well. But in the interim, you still got Matt Ryan kind of in the middle there, and maybe that opens up some spots for him. I don't know. Tony Parker is definitely a Hall of Famer, that's for sure, yeah. uh, without a doubt. Uh, Carlos Pena, I think you could say, the greatest first baseman in Rays history, right? Can I, can I ask a question to you, sure. and Brett, if you guys don't mind before we go to break? Something I'd like to talk about, and I, and I want to do this next week. We're going to do a show where we talk about potential future Hall of Famers in all sports of who's eligible. I think it's a good time to do that. Is Stephon Marbury a Hall of Famer? Oof. Uh, statistically, he might be. It was, you know, I was looking over just some some stats and like how he compares and he like he moved around. He was with a lot of losing. Teams. That's that's the difficult. But, but also because teams. of the fact that he played overseas for so long. You know, right I think away. I think Not what right else? Away. The only, right, only we got a break. Thing, yeah, we'll break. We'll talk about it next time. We got a break. We'll hit on that uh, next week on the show. Coming up next, we take a look back at a former season in sports. You're watching Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe, we're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. In case you missed our program earlier in the week, it looks like the designated hitter is headed to the National League. Joe and I had a chance to go over three different divisions in baseball and how they may be affected. The National League East, the National League Central, and the National League West. Check it out. All right, uh, so let's look at the NL Central. We'll start off with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the list here, and then we'll go through these players one by one. We got Tyler O'Neill uh, for St. Louis for sure. Big, brawly, uh, designated hitter possibly. Tommy Edmonds going to get a chance to play every day now, it would seem also, although I didn't include him here. Uh, the Cubs is pretty cut and dry. Ian Happ, I think, is their DH, period. They could never find a place for him to play. Now they got one. Uh, the Brewers, uh, I left out a big name here because I have Brock Holt and Jed Jerko, but clearly Ryan Braun is another name that needs to be added to this list. And Braun, who says he's going to retire at the end of the year, may have to rethink it if he can play DH for sure. That's a really uh, big name that I didn't include. Uh, the Reds, I can't figure this one out. They got a lot of different options. Who knows? I don't think that there is one player that's going to be necessarily benefited because I think they're going to use a lot of guys and a lot of platooning. And let's not forget uh, Nick Castellanos could probably should be their DH anyway. So, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, Van Meter, Shebler, Kyle Farmer's pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, Senzel, I think, is going to play the infield. But Winker could play DH, too. I, look, honestly, the Reds are going to be a good team, but the DH is going to be a mess. They're going to use a lot of guys. I don't know where Senzel's going to play the infield. Is he going to play shortstop instead of Galvis? I don't know. Like he's not playing second base because Moustakas is there. Let's just call it what it is. The Reds are going to play like the Rays. They're going to be doing a lot of Cluster, moving guys correct. around, yes. and there isn't a key guy here. Uh, Pirates is very clear. Jose Osuna could never get at bats because he couldn't play the field. This is probably if he if I mean Hap is probably the best name here, but I think oh. Osuna is going to be a monster, uh, getting a lot of at bats. He is good when he plays. He hits, and I want to make sure I included him on my list today. So yeah. Um, that's what I got here. Uh, Hap is a big beneficiary. I'm still not convinced Joe Tyler O'Neill can stay healthy. 
So well, this me, helps because you're not playing nine innings maybe so. out there in the field. Maybe, I mean, maybe so I'm I'm still not sold on him though. I am well, not. look, I'm, I want to talk about Ian Happ because this is the guy that I'm excited about because this is the guy that finished very strong. Maybe the biggest benefit of all of the NL guys. Look, he's still just 25 years old. Number one, number two. I know it's September and you get the last year of call ups and all that stuff and it's so wacky, but. Ian Happ looked really good last year. He also hit the minor leagues when he got sent down again last year. And I think Ian Happ's one of those guys that, you're right, he didn't have a spot. Now, he was kind of earmarked for that everyday center field job. I know Almora is a superior defender, but Ian Happ is a superior offensive player, potentially. So this is a really good way here to kind of get him in the lineup every day. Whether he's going to play more of the center field and then DH a couple of days, whether they're going to split that, I don't know. But what I do know from an at-bat standpoint this is really going to help Ian happen. I think you should be very excited. And if he's on waiver wires and you could pick people up right now, I would go add him to any roster if he was somehow floating around there too. And I have, I'm somebody that owned him last year, wrote about him. Unfortunately, it didn't pay off until the very end. And that was far too late for it to pay off, but I'm not off that wagon yet. Again, just 25 years old, same age as Carlos Correa. I'm not writing him off either. It's way too early to write guys off before their 27th birthday. So I'm going to give these guys time to get right. And I think Ian Happ is a perfect example of a guy that isn't the greatest defender, but certainly has power, certainly has the ability to put the bat on the ball and would be a very exciting one. And Tyler O'Neill, you mentioned, you know, bigger guy. You mentioned, you know, has trouble kind of staying on the field. DH is another really good role for him. Jose Ozuna, another guy you watch and you know he can hit. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of what's the path to a bat. With the Atlanta Braves. I think that they were debating whether or not to have Riley at third base or not to start the season. And I think he had a good spring. He was a little bit questionable. We know they want to have Camargo on the team because he's going to play utility no matter what. Uh, Riley now is, I think, penciled into play every day, either at third or the DH. And then beyond that, I have to think that with the little boost that Adam Duvall gave the Braves last year, remember, he was essentially in a strict platoon going into the year with Marcakis at best. Now I think Duvall gets more at-bats. Barcake is, of course, a really good defender. He can play the outfield now and not have to worry about the bat, even though his bat's been pretty good. So uh, we can start there with Riley and Duvall. Those are the only two players that I see on Atlanta getting a little bit of an at-bat boost. Yeah, I'll tell you what, too. I have a strong feeling about this because, for me, uh, you've heard the stories, too. DH is not easy. It's it's a thing. It's a process of being able to keep yourself ready to hit four times a game. And the pattern of going from a guy who plays the field to only hitting four times a game. A lot of people tell you that transition is not easy. Everyone thinks, ah, oh, whatever. It's one thing to do it as a one off, you know, once a month. It's another thing to be doing it on a consistent basis. And I would be very surprised if the Braves made Austin Riley that guy. I think it's a way to keep him in the lineup more often, maybe once or twice a week, maybe. But to make him an everyday DH, I don't see that happening at all. I think it's very important for his development to keep him in the field, even if you think Camargo's a better defender, because I think the only way to transition young players like that is to keep them in their routine. And Camargo's a guy that can move around the field, move around the diamond, play different positions, and then you can get him some DH at-bats too. But Duvall's kind of that guy. They could add a little bit more power in the middle of that lineup and uh, specifically play him against certain pitchers. And I think that's kind of the route I would go. But Austin Riley, I do not think, is going to be a DH there. I think it's very important they keep him in that routine. The only guy, you know, trying to think of the youngest player I ever remember being pushed into a DH role, and it's Edgar Martinez, who will be the first guy to tell you he struggled <laughs> in that transition early well, on. Well, the youngest guy ever to do it was the rookie of the year in the American League and had the biggest, one of the biggest seasons ever for a rookie in history last year. So maybe we're changing our scope on that. And that's maybe. Al- but I think Jordan Alvarez, Jordan Alvarez is also that guy that, was kind of DHing in the minor leagues already. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I don't, I don't know that the I don't know day. that the plan was for him to be a full-time DH right out of the box, Joe. I don't, I don't think, think it was, was, but I think that is something that you look at. He's just such an extraordinary anomaly in terms of what he's able to do. Maybe. But also if you go look at the in the minor league track record there, he's got a fair amount of DH at bats. He was very comfortable in that role. I'd have to check that to uh to verify that. But I um for you continue on myself okay uh marlins uh, garrett cooper and and i thought garrett cooper would end up winning the job regardless if they had aguilar or not but this definitely cements garrett cooper in the marlins lineup every single day so that's the end of it um, whether he's in right field or first base at dh he was one of the best bats last year this what? keeps him this keeps them him healthy and it keeps him on the field uh, i can speak to what he thinks he wouldn't mind at all 
So uh, this is the, the direction that I think that they will go, and Cooper will be the DH. Actually helps the Marlins, don't you think? Because this is a team that wants to get that bat in there, and this is a unique opportunity to do that. I, I think so. It is a little curious that they pivoted and signed Matt Joyce to play right and, and not Cooper full-time, but I think that this eliminates any thought process of, of having to worry about any kind of playing time there. Um, Jay Bruce, maybe the biggest bump of everybody here. I, I mean, I don't think that Jay Bruce is going to play at all going into the year. I don't mean, I, I mean, I know that, I don't, I, look, the, the open position for Philadelphia is center field. He's not a center fielder. So maybe they would have pushed McCutcheon back to center, but he was hurt. I'm not really sure. But now Jay Bruce, to me, hey, Jay Bruce, why sometime. not? Why can't Jay uh, Bruce hit 30 home runs? He can. And oh, that's well, not 30. Thing. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, 30. 15. Can 15. Why can't he hit 15? Yeah, Sure he absolutely. can. The thing about Jay Bruce is he'll do that over two weeks. And then he won't do anything that's else fine. for the rest of the season. That's but that's, Jay, that's always been Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce can be as hot as anybody and as ice cold as anybody. So I think that's one of these pieces that I will just leave for the DFS world too, because that's another adjustment we have to make too, because all of a sudden you get these other bats that are involved in games that might be really lower priced. You know, the Jay Bruce's or the Garrett Cooper's of the world that you can slide in there because they qualify in other positions, but they might be hitting maybe towards the middle of an order. So that's going to be fascinating. I mean, there are so many wrinkles in this potential baseball season, not just season long, but from a daily perspective also, that are going to be really fun and different. And I think a good jolt to the game and a good jolt to the fantasy game, too. All right, on to the Mets, boy. Are they glad that they held on to Dominic <laughs> Smith? Right. Yeah. Now, Dominic Smith, I mean, to me, I think Bruce maybe gets the biggest bump of all, but Smith gets the second biggest bump, I think, because wow. I think that they would have found a way to play Smith one way or the other somewhere. Uh, but now, I mean, he plays 80 games at DH. He's the Mets DH. That's it. Yeah. What else is there And a guy that they really don't have a position for and they don't love the glove anyway. I actually think he's the biggest winner of this group, without a he doubt. He could be. I, 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 I just can't. Him, maybe it's he, Howie Kendrick in the next he's one. A, but He's the biggest winner, but I, I can't. There's not a lot of predictability with Dominic Smith. I'm not sure how he's going to be. I know what Jay Bruce has been for the last 10 years. Right. And at the end of the year, he's hitting 230, and he's hitting 15 home runs and driving in 40 on the, yeah. in, the, on, in that True. park. Really good park, too. And playing in other good parks also. Orioles, Yankees, he's got a good spot. Look, I, I'm going to say this. Dominic Smith, I think, is in a, a unique opportunity here where he's a player who finished the season strong. He's a player that the bat is good, the power is limited, but I think all around, you think about the biggest winner, it's definitely Dominic Smith and the Mets, I think, and, and it's, believe me, it's not because I'm a Mets fan. I am the biggest self-loathing, everything the sky is crumbling Mets fan there is, but I actually think this actually worked out for them somehow. And, oh, and, of course. <laughs> you know, and, and Dominic Smith lengthens that lineup a little bit for them, which is also something I think the Mets kind of desperately needed to get another bat in that lineup, but... Where were you going to sacrifice? What were you going to do? And I think this is really works out well for them. So I, I think of all these teams so far, he's probably the one, and the next guy coming is probably the two that we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that the Nationals will use several players. That's why I don't, oh. I won't see it the same as you. I, I think that sometimes Howie Kendrick will be at second, sometimes he'll be at DH, sometimes he'll be at third, and he'll be their utility player. They also have his Jubal Cabrera. We cannot forget about him. And I think that the one player that benefits the most on the Nationals is the fact that they brought back Ryan Zimmerman for another season. And we all know Zimmerman is going to play once or twice a week. But again, now he has a chance to play a little bit more than we thought. So um, I see I see the Nationals using multiple guys. I sure. do as well, but I think Kendrick will get the bulk of them. It will be, It's an older team, so they are going to cycle everybody through. But Howie Kendrick is built for this. Howie Kendrick thrived on this in the playoffs, too, in the World Series. I mean, he, look, this is a guy that really is a professional hitter. He was a professional hitter all the way back when he was with the Angels, all the way back from his rookie season. This guy just gets up, wakes up, has coffee, and hits 300. Okay, that's what Howie Kendrick does. And I think this is a unique opportunity for him to extend the life another season here. And Zimmerman will get in there, too, because Zimmerman is a guy you have to kind of budget. And it's only 80 games now, so that's a positive for him also. But, man, this... This is a big win, I think, for the Nationals, just generally speaking. Another team that wants to lengthen the lineup a little bit, has a bunch of veteran bats, but now getting to put one in there every single day is a huge win trying to basically plug the hole that existed when Anthony Rendon left for Los Angeles. Diamondbacks, Jake Lamb, okay. I mean, that, he's the DH. What else is there to say? I mean, that's he, he against right-handed pitchers. Jake Lamb is the DH for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say he's only DH every day if there's never a left-handed pitcher again in Major League Baseball. Isn't there any more certain? There's, I don't think there's ever been more <sighs> certainty than me giving you this guy at DH this year. Probably, but I mean, I don't even know if you want him there. I mean, Jake Lamb is just, he wants about done. I think he's done. I really do. He could, he could be, but he's gonna get his chance to be the DH. Ugh, this is difficult. Who else You're you got? probably right. 
No, I mean, you're probably right. But I just think you can't have any good expectations for him at all. There's no Jake Lamb renaissance here. Just Kevin Crone? Maybe. And there you have it. All the possible players that Joe and I think could be effective as the designated hitter in the National League in 2020. Something that we never thought that we would be saying back in March. Well, here's something we know we're saying. Gray Albright from Razball makes his appearance with us every single Friday on Fantasy Sports Today. In case you missed his appearance yesterday, you'll want to stay tuned. We've got that for you next, right here on Sports Grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, every Friday here on our show, we bring in the master of fantasy the master of reality, and the king of Razball, Gray Albright from Razball.com. Gray, happy Friday to you. How was your week? Ah, it's pretty good. It's all right. I mean, I'm starting to get nervous now about baseball. I, uh, uh -oh. you know, I don't know if it's You're like a... You're back and forth. You're back and forth. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm still hoping for July 4th. Uh, for baseball to return um, after a three-week spring training. But, yeah, I mean, now, right now, we're in the uh, negotiation stages of this. So it's making me a little bit nervous about, like, whether or not, you know, they're playing a negotiation tactic or if this is really them saying, we don't want to come back, you know? Like, uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I... I, I spoke to a lot of people yesterday about it and the uh, there there are a lot of owners that are genuinely concerned that they're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars this year uh, right with no, with no fans there so it's a very tough thing I tend to be gray on the side of the players I do believe that they should be more compensated than just on the revenue sharing deal but I also see the ownership side because I've never had $500 million in my pocket, and somebody said, would you like to give us $100 million? You know, And and I think right. that is essentially on the line for the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Cardinals and some of these teams that make all their revenue with the players in the stands. But I definitely see the player side of it, too, because they are putting themselves at risk, right. and the owners are not. So it is, it is, it is very complicated. Selfishly, I would like to see them come back. And personally, I would like to see somebody other than Blake Snell be the spokesperson for the idea that baseball. Blake, Blake Snell sounds like me from high school. Like, <laughs> yo, y'all, I gotta get paid. Know what I'm saying, homies? Like, I, yeah, can like, we find a different players' association spokesman than Blake Snell? I mean, please. <laughs> I mean, and not only that, it's like I mean, I, I guess in his defense, he didn't realize that his, you know, playing. And not only that, Gray. Like, you, you imagine like negotiating billions of dollars playing game video games. Like, yeah, I gotta get paid. I gotta get paid. Like, we're using that as the commentary on behalf of the players while playing a video game on Twitch. That's what we got. Nobody talking. A guy playing video games giving his opinion. <laughs> players, players actually in the uh, esports leagues don't even negotiate while they're playing video games. <laughs> I gotta get paid. What's up? <laughs> Yo, I gotta get paid. What? Like the example, the example, the <laughs> example I used uh, uh, earlier in the show was like, can you imagine like Adam Wainwright? Like they ask Adam Wainwright about this, you know? Like, <laughs> I gotta get paid. Yeah, like, yeah, you, you, like you can't even like 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 I'd like to hear from him. Like, what does he have to say about all this? Like, this is like a guy like more like me. He's married. He has kids. He's a little bit older. You know, like like not every player in Major League Baseball is twenty three. No, I know. And that was the uh, that's the other concern. It's like, what if, uh, you know, like what if a lot of these players who are really like, you know, set for life and don't need the play? I mean, like there's at least I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, I want to say there's at least like 50 to 70 percent of players in the major leagues are set for life. So it's like, what am I doing? Like, why would I go out there 
and play, uh, especially for less money. Do you, do you and, think that? Uh, do you think? I mean, we haven't even touched on this yet. Do you think that two percent of the league will sit out? Like, do you think there's a chance of that? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if, like, if you say to, uh, I don't know, just take a random name, say Miggy, uh, Miguel Cabrera, you go and uh, you say to him, like, yo, we're going to play for 50% of our salary. And he's like, guys, I'm worth $220 million. Why would I go out and play for anything right now? Like, what am I? What well, am I the, the devil's advocate is that it sends a bad message, uh, you know, but. When when was the last time any pro athlete really cared about that either, though? You know, like, I know, and it's also it's such a it's such exter- ex- extenuating cir- circumstances that it's like you can't hold anyone uh, any of this against anyone. Like if they legitimately feel like they would be at risk, it's like no, you have to go risk your life. Like it's a different story. Like during contract negotiations, and players are saying. No, we have to have like certain concessions and the owners push back and the players push back. And it's this like standard negotiation where you have like, you know, a strike could happen or something because of, um, you know, player contracts. But this is beyond that. Like this is people. If someone says like, no, I'm worried I'm going to die. Then you're like, well, he's not playing this year. I mean, he's scared he's going to die. Had a lot of nice. You know, an interesting, uh, nice is not the word, but a lot of interesting comments, I think. Um, yeah, nice is an okay word. I don't mind. Regards nice. that, so we'll see. Um, you know, here yeah. on the show, we have the National League West coming up. We're going to talk about the potential players. I finally mm-hmm. now I'm talking fantasy baseball a little bit now, Gray. Like, I feel oh. like I haven't done it in two months. It's time now to, uh, to start doing it a little bit again. Uh, I can't be like one of those 24-7 guys when there's they, nothing to say. I'll take um, off my uh, Marvin Miller hat then, and we'll we'll go yeah. back to fantasy baseball. You got his glasses on though. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Marvin Miller Jr. to you. Okay. You uh, uh, so with with um with players that could really be helped by the DH, we've gone through like each team. I'll tell you who I was. Uh, you know, a couple of teams that I'm kind of stumped with. And you could tell me, like, I, I know it's like throwing it out here. We didn't really talk about this in the pre-show about this. But, uh, like, Arizona, like, who, who the, the Diamondbacks. I like, like, you know what? I like the Diamondbacks as a. They're uh, going to be a good team. Yeah. But, but are they helped? Are they I, helped having an extra like hitter? the fact that they have two Martes in their lineup. That's just unnecessarily confusing. But I do like Kevin Crone. Right, Josh Rojos, Rojas, well, uh, or, or Jake Lamb for the Universal. Lamb was the DH. one that I said that they got. They got to give him a chance to see if he can do it. Be the DH, well, right-handed I, pitching, I put him in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 Totally. Yeah. At least against righties. Against That's, lefties, yeah. we already know he's not good. So I doubt they use him for that. Maybe they go to like um, a platoon of him. And Rojas or Crone, maybe. Crone was the other name that I said maybe in a lefty-righty thing. Because Walker, they're going to give another chance to, I think. Oh, Walker is the starter, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. no, definitely. And if Walker is like, you know what, guys, I'd like to DH for a little bit, I think they even put him at DH and let Lamb or Crone field. I don't think Lamb can play at all field anymore. (laughs) No, I don't don't think he can, but I'm saying he might. (laughs) I'm not saying he's able to. In an 80-game season, you know? Yeah. How many podcasts are in an 80-game season, though? Yeah, exactly. This, uh, welcome to my podcast, in an 80-game season. In an 80-game season. season. <laughs> like, like, how many times is that going to be said on, on I know. podcast? I, uh, yeah, no, I know. I feel like that is, like, that's also, I mean, it, that is actually an entire, like, day long like 24 hour long podcast of saying like the differences between 80 games i mean there's so many differences it's like the entire everything gets thrown out because like i thought so but you like you want to keep your team though so no exactly but if no i do want to keep my team i do but you're drafting again like everybody else i'm drafting literally you're in a league with me in two weeks we'll do it again (laughs) I am literally drafting right now. I just got a notification. I'm on the clock for an NFBC league. Anyway, if Jake Lamb is platooning in an 80-game season, because you have to say that, there's no value in the platoon in 80 games. What is that? Uh, prorated out to, like, 60 games, maybe? I mean, oh, that's okay. like... I mean, outside of an NL only, 
you're really like scraping the bottom of the barrel. If no, you're I know. We're just we're just going through the possible options. Like oh, we can't. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, like Hunter Pence is going to be the DH for the Giants. I'm pretty solid on that. I what feel about like that. Puig though. I mean, if he signs, doesn't Puig have a chance to DH, or is he just going to go into the outfield? I would if say he's he'll play the outfield. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I would say he'll play the outfield. Um, the the other team that is is stacked, but we were you know we're gonna we're gonna try and dive in to see who plays DH and who plays the outfield is. Uh, L.A. because they tried to move Peterson. I feel like Peterson is definitely going to play the outfield. Is mm -hmm. A.J. Pollock a D.H.? Like, is that he doesn't fit like that prototypical mm -hmm. D.H. type? But maybe that's what saves him. Like, is that yeah. possible? Yeah, no, I don't think that's uh, totally far-fetched. I mean, they have uh, Betts, uh, Peterson, and. Who else? Who's in center? Oh, Bellinger, right. Um, yeah, no I mean, outfield. So outfield, I guess Chris Taylor, A.J. Pollock, Kike, a, a, like a platoon slash rotating. You know, the so great not a, thing about not a big benefit. No, I don't think so. But, you know, like if you're John Heyman, you're like, yeah, the Dodgers have a great because <laughs> they have great depth. I mean, no. I mean, honestly, I think Dave Roberts is good at, and the only thing he's good at is getting everyone at bats. So you probably have some sort of situation where Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, um, Pollock is uh, rotating in and out. I, I yeah. think that's fair. I, I think um, for, for us. I, oh, my God, I just touched my face. <laughs> that's it. You're done. Oh, my God. <laughs> i got to spray you. Stop the show! I touched my. I, I, the, the team that we agree, that we uh, Joe Pizza P and I we uh, came to the conclusion that the one team that this would not affect at all is the Reds because the Reds are still going to use a million people and we can't figure out who. Well, pizza Pia is a uh, that sounds like Pizza Pizza and it's that true. is a, that is a, that's a redundancy because pizza means peace in Italian. So a piece of pizza is like saying a piece of pizza a piece. A piece of pizza. If you're saying a piece of pizza, piece for pizza for a piece of pizza, that's really confusing. Anyway, you were saying? I think we're out of time. <laughs> that is the best show ever. This goes this to the Emmy. This goes to the Emmy judge. Where, whoever's judge. Do you, do you vote for the Razzies? No, I'm voting for the Razzies. I'm sending this in, and I'm gonna the tell. Razzies. I'm gonna pretend that I, I'm not judging my own stuff, but I'm gonna judge it, and I'm gonna give it. A, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would love to see ten the Razzies out of this. Uh, yeah. Did you get any? New, did you get any new movies in the mail lately, or no? Uh, we did. We um, we saw Normal People on Hulu this weekend. That's what we were watching. It is so good. I mean, oh, it's hard. Heartbreaking. Good. You should watch it. Watch it with your wife and just be like, ah, I don't know. We'll see what this is like. You know, just <laughs> it, it, like, I love it. Like, not knowing, like you're going in, like, let's just see. And then you start watching, she'll just be bawling her eyes out. She'll be like, oh my God, Craig, you're so. What did you do to me? Grail. My heart. Grail. <laughs> hey, uh, Gray, have a good weekend. Be safe. We'll catch up again next Friday. Thanks for coming on. All right, Gray Albright. Catch him over at Razball.com. All their projections are constantly updated for the 2020 fantasy baseball season. My guess is from one week today, one week from today when we bring Gray on, we're going to know exactly what we're talking about for the 2020 season. I think we are almost there. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout, and we'll be back with some of those possible designated hitters in the National League West. Joe P. Zapia returns and joins me next year on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.